Bobcast with Old Bay Brigade, hosted by Rooster and the Villain. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Maryland Bobcast. Um, I'm here tonight. It is oh Thursday the 23rd. This is Alex Windsor with the Old Bay Brigade. Um, tonight, I'm here uh, without Mike or Jake or Sam, um, but I am here with Steve Johnson um, from NISA League, from the front office. Um, how you doing tonight? I am doing very well. Thank you very much for having me, Alex. Awesome. Where are you all located? Um, I'm located in uh, the suburbs just north of Chicago in Evanston, where Northwestern is. And that's pretty much where um, most of the, a lot of the NISA front office um, originated. There's a lot more remote work going on now. So it's a little, it's much more spread out around the country, but uh, I call Chicago home. So um, we have a couple of questions we're going to run through tonight with Steve, um, and once uh, we get everything edited and it'll come out to the to the real world, um, we're now rolling into the NISA season with games starting the weekend of March 31st. Um, we've got rosters being dropped. We've got hopefully season tickets opening up for people. Um, we've got a lot going on, and there's a ton of things popping up in the league right now. I know today I saw... Um, announcements from gold star and announcements from chattanooga of all players going all over the place so it's been a lot of fun um but we wanted to sit down with you steve ask you a couple questions and get uh pick your brain a little bit we've heard so much about you and a lot of the front office um we often hear a lot of crappy stuff and we like to say hey yeah like everybody likes to focus on the crappy but let's get to know these people and 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 actually hear their side um, because the world loves the crappy. I'm a middle school teacher. I talk to kids all day and I'm like, Hey, if you haven't noticed the world's essentially going to shit. And if we focus on something other than the, the bad stuff, maybe we'll see something good. So my first question for you tonight, Steve is uh, what led you into NISA um, and what kind of uh, puts you where you're at in the league? Well, I've got a background in sports marketing. I've done a lot of um, uh, on the corporate and agency side when it comes to launching NASCAR teams. Launched a, uh, you know, helped out uh, bringing the U.S. Army All American Bowl high school football game. That's like uh, like the granddaddy of the high school of the high school games. Um, bringing that to life. Um, doing a lot of work with Nike in my past. Those kinds of things. And um, but I've also as a as a communication strategist, have also done a lot of. DNI work, uh, so diversity and inclusion, um, DEI now. And so in 2020, as the league had to, right after had to shut down because of the, you know, brand new league having to shut down because of uh, the COVID pandemic, um, I, there was also, you know, there's a summer of everything bubbling out onto the streets again when it came to racial justice and um, uh, gender inequalities and all of those things. So I got a phone call from Commissioner John Pruch. Uh, we had met in previous years about uh, different programs. And he said, hey, you know what? We want to make sure that we can support the clubs that are out you know, using their voices, the players using their voices. And we want to make sure that we have this as part of our DNA as we're moving forward. Do you think it could help us craft some of the DEI work um, for us moving forward. So I said, absolutely. I would love to be a part of it. Um, I grew up playing soccer. I was never good at it. 
Um, you know, I'd never even played varsity because I was having too much fun the summer before senior year, but I've always played and between that and basketball. That's what my pickups were. So it was really cool to kind of get back into the, the professional world. And so I said yes and part started participating in building some of that, but then it looked like they said, Hey, you know what, because of your media relations, sports media background, would you take the role also of being our media relations lead? And that's right in my wheelhouse. I used to work at the Score Sports Radio here in Chicago, got a journalism degree, and been doing a lot of that work in my career. So really, those two things kind of came together, and that's how I ended up in the position I'm at right now. And, you know, there's being able to build something from the ground up to be in on something early on and help set the architecture um, is really the big and, and awesome challenge with this. And, you know, you, you all follow it. When you talk about issues management, there's a lot for us to be able to do um, as, the, as the league is growing and finding its feet. And, you know, we've, we've had some setbacks, but how are we moving forward through that? How are we helping clubs that are experiencing that and might be the first time they ever actually think about talking to media? You know, besides mm -hmm. after the game where, you know, maybe one blogger comes out. So that's the role that I've I've been playing and really trying to refine that and bring formal structure in terms of communications plans, crisis plans, handbooks for clubs, DEI programming, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's a, a, uh, I'm, that was a really impressive uh, breakdown there. I, I, I think that I came into the league – uh, as a fan within the first pro season for the Bobcats. So the first go round of Misa right after that first run of the, of uh, the independent cup yeah. or whatever it was called at that point in time, that bubble tournament, yeah, the independent cup. Yeah. yeah. Oh the, yeah. The bubble tournament. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So like legend, I, I, we've kind of watched it from the ground up and it's been really, really cool to watch. And it's, it's an impressive thing to see you guys give voice to these small clubs. I mean, the Bobcats world-class premier elite were just essentially a Sunday league mm -hmm. and, and they're growing and, and expanding and there's all kinds of changes constantly happening. So it's really cool to, to see you and the people from inside. And at the time, I mean, with, with, you know, uh, uh, um, Hide had a lot going on and, and Evan was running basically, I don't know how many hats he had. He had a coat rack of hats is what he was doing. And, you know, being able to work with them on all of that. I mean, that's kind of one of the things I do a lot of mentoring communications, mentoring at places in, in Chicago, 1871 is a massive incubator for, for startups. And at, um, at, uh, Polsky, which is the United university of Chicago's incubator and at Kellogg here at Northwestern university. And the, the issues that I see with how these clubs are working from my perspective, especially some operationally, but definitely from a communications and how they're learning what they have to do. It's the same thing you see with people who have master's degrees and come up with these cool ideas and are starting to like get six or seven digits of funding for their new idea. It's all the same issues. It's the exact same issues that you're going to face. And that's why Silicon Valley says, hey, fail forward or whatever it is, because they know they're going to make mistakes and a lot of them aren't going to make it. We're in the same position with with but with with um, a sports organization, and there's going to be learning and mistakes, and it's exciting to see it when they when it catches on and they move forward, and that's and that's really what my expertise, one of the big pieces of expertise I'm supposed to be bringing, and that I that I find that I am helping those clubs out. 
Yeah, it's it, like you were saying with Evan and Hide and all those guys out there. It's really so impressive going out. We, we've talked in the past on the Bobcast about like, oh, why not open up the other side of our stadium? And I, I always say to Mike, I say, don't forget, this is really like we talk grassroots soccer. This is a grassroots organization at, at, its, at its top. Like you've got Jay, you've got Kalen, you've got the the core of people. You had Adam Gopkin, you had Evan Ramist that literally put everything together. You walk through the gate, Kalen checks you in, Adam Gopkin checked you in, Adam had to go inside and start doing play-by-play. Kalen had to go make sure the camera was set. Like it was so wild sitting there at the soccerplex the first game. I didn't know what to expect. And I'm looking around and I'm like, there's like four people working this event right now. Yeah. And they're running it like it's a, a professional situation. It's nuts. I've got books. I, I, I love history. I've got books back behind me um, on, on that bookshelf that are music history and, you know, uh, political history and sports history. And there's a book called um, called Loose Balls by Terry Pluto. And it just talks about what the ABA was like as it was getting off its feet. You could There's a book back here by Johnny Red Kerr, who is a longtime Chicago Bulls. And he talks about as he was the first head coach in 1966 how he would, after the game, would have to call up the Chicago Tribune, Chicago Sometimes, Chicago Defender, Chicago Daily, all of those to say, hey, we played tonight. This is the NBA. I mean, so the lens of startup and the lower levels, which is what we are, but the lower lower leagues, um, all of that, all of that is not easy. It's a grind. I commend every single person who has put their blood, sweat, and tears into these clubs, whether they've made it or whether they've failed. They put out the attempt. And one of the things that we do at NISA is really try, and, and we really refined this in the last year. And it's not, it's not because of a mistake. It's because we've seen what happens when that when we don't do it, is really put them through these incubations and these and these uh onboarding programs so that they know exactly what it takes, not just to run a club, to make that run a club a professional club and try and reach what the pro league standards are and things like that. It's 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 fun. My second question here for you. Um, so we saw a lot of um we saw a lot of people wanting to complain and whine and be frustrated, including me. Don't get me wrong. I was, I was angry too about scheduling along the way and communication along the way. Um, but I know you all have goals for the league. So what's your goal for this season for the league? Uh, for the league as operationally? Mm-hmm. I've got there's a I, I, I created a list here of things to think about. Club health is number one. We want every club to be healthy that, um, you know, the the pandemic in terms of attendance is behind us. So how healthy are you to be able to get people there? Um, We want player health. That's another thing. Don't want to see anybody missing games because of of injuries. Uh, So club health and player health, those two things are really critical. Front office growth is going to be a big deal. How how um, are they managing through the ups and downs that are going to absolutely be a part of every season? How are they managing that? How are they managing, you know, there might be a stretch where there's not a match for a week and a half, but then you have two, especially when the Open Cup is coming up and the Independent Cup in the summer when they're participating. Um, I want to, the players are really the biggest thing to have players get noticed, to have players get, hell, if somebody else gets, we've had players get picked up by MLS and by USL champion, uh, championship. If we have 
players getting noticed and moving on, going overseas, like Stephen Jung Junkai did uh, from out of the stars. If that's great, that's that's absolutely amazing. That shows that they're the growth on the field that they're having. It shows guys like you know when you when you think about um, uh, Rod at, at, at Chattanooga FC, and like you think every coach doesn't want to see their players moving forward because of what they were able to accomplish. Um, I'm I'm a softy. I would love to see every match finish three two. <laughs> you know that's good scoring. But you know somebody does come out on, out on top if it's the home club that makes it a lot of fun for everybody. Good showings in the U.S. Open Cup, I think, would be a, a really a good plus for us as well. If we could get a couple clubs, um, obviously move past this round, this first round they're going to be in, in round two, but to get past round three as well. I mean, there's talent out there to do it. It's just about you know how cohesion, what's the cohesion like, and sometimes if if it, things go for luck. So club health though is really the biggest thing because that drives player opportunity, coach opportunity community opportunity, all of that stuff. So you're saying with, uh, I don't know if you listened to this past week's um, Night to Say Nisa episode, but they gave an over-under of two clubs moving on past the past the second round stage of the Open Cup. You're saying you're taking the over? Yeah. I'm, okay. I, I mean, I'm not a betting Steve's person. Steve's going on the record taking the I, over. I, I like I, it. I, I said if I had to bet, I'm not a betting person. We are putting all of our players through betting protocol so they understand what the, what the, uh, the negative impact of betting. We have that built into our operations as well um, with Sport Radar. But yeah, it, this is like, I, I think that there's opportunity for some of that. Um, I mean, you've got to look at the heritage clubs that have been around for us. CFC is always going to be one of those stars, so they could play with anybody. If they get a 1-0 lead, Godspeed for anybody trying to trying yeah. to get that match back. Wall. So there's definitely opportunity there, and there's clearly talent there. Yeah. So um, with with that one year in mind, what's uh what's five years look like? I know you're talking about like pushing people up. That's one of the things I was talking to um a couple of people from the Bobcats in the last week, and I said like to see people move up and move on. That's so much fun to see. Like to watch a guy like Jake Dangler move up to USL and see him succeeding in USL, to watch DCFC move up to another league and be successful in another league. That's the point of an incubator league. That's like everybody keeps yelling into the vacuum, pro rel for USA, pro rel for USA. And then when it happens, they're like, oh, no, wait, that's not what we meant. <laughs> It's so. So, what's five years look like? You know what we've got. Uh, we've got a lot of ambitions, and and from an uh, from what it looks like from the uh, from the commissioner's perspective, I think from everyone's perspective, first of all, it's want to be good controlled growth. Um, again, it gets back to how are we bringing the clubs into our level so that they can grow and stay, and that we could be additive. I mean, we marked in, we were marking time this time time around from nine to nine, and and we clearly uh, feel that we've got much more. Um, potential to be growing in numbers. In fact, we're thinking about, you know, can, what's three clubs a year look like being additive? And we're starting to get that kind of lined up because we now have a good battle rhythm for incubation. We're going to have a number of announcements coming up in the coming months in terms of what 2024 and 2025 look like. So want to have good controlled growth in the number of clubs, three per year. Um, Nisa Nation being a big piece of that. Uh, the fall was was light because uh, for a number of reasons, and one of them was colleges are back and things like that. Spring, we already have one good uh, region looking to get going. We would love to see in five years eight regions of eight teams. 
and really have that be um, across the board national. And we think that there's great potential for those kinds of things. Um, continuing- I really like that you guys are doing Nisa Nation as a as a regional. Because like everybody in this whole process of this season getting prepped, everybody's like, oh, it should be regional league. It should be regional. It can't be a national league and be regional. It's it it just can't be a pro national and be one section of the country. It has to be coast to coast. That's the that, that the word national is in the name. Yeah, and if anyone and with all the the affiliations that we've got with the with the leagues, uh, amateur leagues from coast to coast, um, don't think that we're not looking at what could we be doing in Texas. What are we doing in the mountain states? Can we get more midwestern teams? If anyone sits there and saying, how come they don't have any? Trust me. <laughs> Trust me, the legwork is being done to be able to find um, folks that want to do it. This is there's a lot that goes. I mean, to be an owner, this is not buying a team like this and being in this level is you don't really do it because you're going to say, "Hey, man, this is going to be uh, passive income." You're doing it because you love the community and you're finding an opportunity to like galvanize every, everyone together. There's a lot of investment that goes in, but when we can with our affiliations, if we can get that Nisa Nation thing. Nisa Nation becomes that that linchpin between the independent cup where we get amateur clubs to actually see what it's like to be just playing some games against at this level. Then Nisa Nation, how are you doing that against like-minded clubs that are thinking about where might we be? Might we be a professional organization next year, two years, three years, playing with them on the regular? Ultimately, I know the idea would be, hey, champions from every region then come together and, and play for a single title. Once we get to that point, so that's the kind of growth. But all of those clubs then become eligible and um, ones that we would look at to say, hey, you want to go pro? Hey, let's fill this out. And eventually, and we've talked about, the commissioners talked about it from uh, over the last few years. It's no secret. If we can, you know, become bigger and we can move up and we can get in a second level and create that pro rel, that's the spirit of what we look for in clubs. You want to be a part of pro rel merits on the field merits, not in the checkbook. And that's what we're after. So these next, you know, these next couple of years are critical for us to really see how this incubation and then growth, um, growth of existing pro clubs and stabilization of all that, that's going to be a big piece for us and get uh, that battle rhythm going for, you know, what things could look like five years from now. And it's, it's really cool to hear your breakdown of the next couple of years because everybody like everybody's screaming into the Twitter vacuum stability right now. Everybody wants to forget that every league started as a, a baby league and growing and changing it. And like, hell, MLS was a, a, a shit show from the start, too. And and you've got to start somewhere and you've got to build and that, that growth plan and, and that constant set of stability is really nice to see um so you kind of walked through this one but uh talking about communications like what what have been the things that have been hang-ups in communications i know you have a background in, in sports comp so what have been the hang-ups in communication and what do you think like is there something you think that, that when you look to the future you're like this is where we want to go this is what we want to build on the, here's the number one thing that um impatience when it comes to communications and getting to the channels and saying we're going to get to our owned channels our our, our, our social media channels our website etc getting out to the um, traditional and non-traditional media you falling in inside of that um 
you know, I, I'm not active on Twitter anymore from a political standpoint. I, I, there are people I will not give my time and money to in that, but I have to lurk because that's where you, you all are and where a lot of the conversations are. So I see, I can see all of those things going on, but these are also, none of these clubs, not a single club is publicly traded. Not a single one. These are all private clubs, private money, private people for the most part. And so as much as we want to be transparent about, uh, you know, we're transparent about the ethics of what we're doing and, and, and our activities, um, nobody owes anything to anybody until they're ready and they're done and negotiations are taken care of. That, and we say it all the time. I get asked, what can you tell us about this? We don't talk about, you know, the club the conversations between club and club and club and, and league. You've seen other people do that and you see us be silent because A, it's not legal, B, it's, 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 and it's not appropriate. So I would love to be able to push more information out in a quicker way, but due diligence matters. Um, being in, uh, or an association of independent clubs means that we, they still have all their autonomy and agency in a lot of ways. This is not franchise. This is not damn it, you got to get us, get this here and, and those kinds of things. There's a lot of flexibility. So that means the relationships matter and taking the time matters. Um, and so that's the hardest part for us. And even with internally, because we're not ready to announce something, and we've got to go to our club communications guys and uh, folks and say, hold on just a little bit. We've got still a, a something, something to work on here. So that's probably the most frustrating. I understand the poll. I'm happy there is a poll. We love that there are people are interested. I'm, I mean, even if some of that's, you know, there's barbs it's been being so thrown. It's so much fun to see how angry people are getting. I'm like, cool, they're paying attention. I'm glad they care. I mean, honestly, I'm glad they care. But we are doing our best to make sure we get the best information out at the best time in the way that, that works best, first for our clubs and then the league um, to be able to make it. Because, of course, we want people to know as soon as possible when we're playing, where we're playing, what who we've got. We've got issues that are very clearly out there. I mean, you, we we were, we're gonna you're gonna have some questions. I know you're gonna ask about the refereeing I I situation. There are things about that that we won't talk about, even if it benefits us, because that's not how you do business. We don't do business in the media that way, and I definitely not do, not doing it in the comments section. That's not that's not media relations in a professional way. But and there's things that you can't pass on. So yeah, that's that gets frustrating at times, but. The league, as, as the operations get, are, are getting better um, and Im improving from what we're learning about, uh, about all of those relationships and the relationships that I'm trying to build, and that's one of those things that as we go through, who am I talking with? What kind of relationship do I have? Is it a blogger, a podcaster? Is it um, Alex Silverman over at uh, Sports Business Journal, you know, the, the, the Bible of sports business? All across the board, we're trying to build those relationships so that we can be giving the best information and responding with the best information um, in the most timely manner we can. Yeah. I mean, you you really said it well there with the, talking about not jumping the gun and being patient with your approach because there is so much in on Twitter with everyone being so free and vocal. You get so many people that like right now what's happening with – M. MNP, we'll say. I won't yeah. say any names of leagues. Nobody's talking about show, the fact that <laughs> nobody's talking about the fact that a schedule hasn't dropped yet. Nobody's talking about, or people are starting to get really pissed off about the rhinos and whatever the hell's happening behind the scenes there. So people are finally catching on and being like, "What's happening? 
when Nisa was was not releasing, I was having these personal conversations with people that were reaching out to me for some reason via Twitter and saying like, what have you heard? And I'm like, first of all, again, not internal with the club. I'm not internal. We, that, I am just some random asshole that shows up to games <laughs> and, and I hand people slide whistles and kazoos and say, piss that person off. Come on, Alex, you're and, a tremendous asshole. <laughs> tremendous. <laughs> um, but like, we've got to give the time to make the decisions. It is a league of independent clubs. You have Jay Saba. You have George Yunkai. You have ownership of every club that needs to get their club in order before they can do anything as a league. Yeah. And, so and it, it is, it is, it is tough. It's tough for all of It's tough for all of us. But I mean, it's uh, back in my agency days at one point, you know, a bunch of sports event, the event guys team, and I would be their PR guy working with them on stuff. And I was called like uncouth PR guy because I was, you know, I had these, I'd have these Rahm Emanuel moments about like, you know, spouting things and saying, God, what the hell, you know, and, and then have to get it together before God. And honestly, seriously, if I were an independent person and I wasn't a representative, it'd be a lot of fun to get back and, and start having, having some back and forth in, in the Twitter sphere. But, you know, you, you know, I'm representing, I, I, I rep, I'm not representing me. I'm representing a club, a, a, a league. I'm representing every single club out there. I'm representing professional uh, public relations. I'm re- representing sports marketing um, professionals. I mean, all of those concentric circles and, there's a lot of emotion in this. I mean, and I'm glad there is because if I wasn't, didn't have emotion about it, I'd kind of question why the heck I'm here. Yeah. And, and talking about like being able to manage your approach on Twitter, I have a good friend from school who um, worked his way up through a very prominent league in baseball and became the voice of my favorite baseball team here in Maryland. And literally that was the voice you heard in the ballpark. And guess what? He couldn't keep his mouth shut on Twitter and he lost everything Yeah, Yeah. because he couldn't stay out of the other channels. Like you said, we all want to sit on Twitter and spout and like we can sit there and spout all you want. But sooner or later, something's either going to go wrong or there's going to be someone who comes out of the woodwork. Like I had a person last year. I was I was messing around with somebody from Detroit. And out of the blue, I get a message with like pictures of my car and pictures of my license plate. I like random That's person creepy, in the middle man. of Detroit, like knew what school I teach at, what my principal's name was. They were like, if you continue this, I'll be reaching out to all these channels. And I was like, we're literally sending memes back and forth. Like this is out of hand now. So there's a lot. There's, I mean, being able to, to manage that in, within within the Twitter sphere is is incredible. Um, so we were talking about getting the the all the member clubs together. Um, so what's that process of scheduling look like? I'm sure it's an absolute nightmare. It, it's you know it's uh, part of it is and I'm going to give you some of the bullets that that I got because I I knew enough about it uh, to be dangerous. Um, just enough to be dangerous. So he, here's some of the things, but I see how this all rolls. So it's late October is uh, it, in the middle of October at that time is when we're really first asking them for what are, what are the available dates at your venues starting to look like for next year? Like what are the swaths, et cetera? And quite frankly, a lot of these clubs, sometimes there is a priority listing 
you know, depending on where you're playing and things like that, there's a priority listing that you're fighting through already. So what are the, what are the dates look like? And once we have that, well, let me, you know, um, what might, and some of that might change because of the way the venues are that they have their winter board meeting to be able to bring something forward and say, we starting to get the dates. What's the format that we want to look at? How many number of matches do you really want or what do you need? And this is something the Knights were talking about on their last one also, because they were talking about whether people think that the season is too long, you know, at 24 matches and all that stuff. And there is some of it. Chattanooga said they wanted 36 matches. That's insane. Well, yeah, but clubs need clubs need to be able to to make their money. So there has to be a a a minimum number, regardless. And plus, your professional league, you're going to try and have more matches like that. But um, you know, what do you want to have? You know, what what are the outcomes that you want to have? And then they basically start having to say, okay, now we got to put U.S. Olympic or pardon me, U.S. uh, Open Cup put that on top as a, as, as a lens. Then we have to clarify the go, no go dates, like absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. No's. They're all of those steps. They do draft after draft after draft, four or five of these things. They come back then um, with some negotiations because somebody says, well, I don't want to do that. Or I can't get out there here. Or, we want another home game and all of those kinds of things. All freaking valid. All of that is valid stuff. This is a lot different than I used to know somebody who knew the guy who put together a major league baseball schedule every year. And I mean, it went from doing it on a big board, a big chalkboard to being electronic, but that is a set number of clubs that are absolutely playing for you only. There's nothing else getting in the way. They all own their own stadiums. When you're talking about that level, a lot of stuff falls in pretty easily um, for that. But we have a lot of those kinds of things. And then you've got, you know, regional issues like you want to play your first couple of home games in uh you know end of march early early april in upper midwest <laughs> you know that's why this is why you know southern college ba- baseball teams are better they're playing year round because weather impacts when and how you play and all those things so those are really the, the main steps there there's a lot of negotiation and a lot of having to check out and say do we have space is that of it our our, our, our home you know, venue available for us. Yeah, that's uh, that, I can't imagine that that whole process running those drafts, and then I'm sure as soon as you run a draft, somebody says, "Well, those days we said we could, now we can." All that nonsense. Yeah, you get you get a lot of that, but I mean, again, that's what that's what happens when we're when we're growing and we're at this level and we're we're still nascent. And while you're sticking independent, yeah, that I yeah. means everything in this league. That that independence part of it is is a really uh, a big part of this whole thing. Um, so, from your standpoint, um, I'm gonna drop one of Dan Vaughn's favorite words, ethos. Here, what kind of you you kind of mentioned it in the beginning when talking about what what um, Pritch wanted to bring in with the these clubs and what he how he wanted to serve soccer as a whole. Um, but what kind of what kind of clubs are you looking for? What kind of ethos are you looking to bring into NISA? Um, the the main thing is looking for clubs that share that independent streak. That's going to be the number one that they want to be able to make a lot of their own decisions. They want to be able to hold on to their um, intellectual property, which you don't do in other in other in other places. Um, they want to learn. They understand the commitment that it will take. Um, to do this. I mean, I congratulate, uh, Maryland Bobcats. I mean, still moving forward. They came in earlier than, than expected. And, um, 
but they had their heads right about how they want to do things. And they already had good community base right there. And that's where things start. Soccer is different than the other professional sports um, in the United States in that, you know, when you get to that top level, it's not market-based, you know? I mean, soccer is also, but I mean, what we're trying to do around the rest of the world, it's not about a market. You don't get a protected market. It's who are you representing? You know, what part, what community are you a part of? And if that community grows, great. Because I tell you, Chelsea is massive. Okay. Chelsea is a massive kind of thing, but when it started, it wasn't massive. That's why full, that's why Fulham is a, you know, mile and a half away. Um, Looking at that's, that was one of the craziest things. Like, so I, myself got in, I played soccer all through school, played in high school. Um, Like, like you was never that skilled, didn't really get into anything. Um, But through college, my best friend was really into Chelsea so I watched that those matches with him. Didn't watch any further than the matches that he had on TV. Then when I got back into soccer with the Bobcats, and I'm watching, and then I started coaching at my school, and I'm watching, and I'm like, oh, shit. All of these clubs in England and all across the world are so damn close to each other. Like we talk in the States all the time about why would we put this – this team in this market, when they already have this team right next door, who cares? Saturate the market. That's fine. If a club can live, the club can live. Yeah. It's, I mean, quite frankly, look at baseball here in Chicago. I mean, that we're able to keep these two. We've got the, we've got the population to be able to, to support it, you know, but I mean, baseball started that way. Baseball started that way. It four teams, five teams in the New York city area. I mean, that's the way it started. But we want people that we want these clubs to be focused there to understand the importance of that, understanding how to learn, um, but are in, independent minded as well, that want to be able to be a part of something that says merit on the field and that we can bring more clubs in and then we'll divide up. And, the, you know, you start here and then if you want to move, if you can move up, you can do it. Um, on uh, on NISA today, um, last week, Alex Lebanski uh, with um, Gold Star FC Detroit was on, and he really did a great job of explaining uh, explaining to Josh, saying, "Hey, man, why?" You know, Josh asked, "Why? Why'd you choose this model?" He said, "We could have gone a couple different places, but this model is speaks to what we want to be able to do in terms of growth, in terms of linking community, and all those kinds of things. We were the ones that offered it, and." Um, you know, if they went somewhere else, there are cl- clubs that might go to other places. In my head, as long as clubs are growing and they're coming into being, that's a huge thing because that's going to be great for American soccer all the way around. Yeah, Gold Star's been a lot of fun to listen to, uh, hearing hearing their thoughts, seeing what they're posting because their model within within ice hockey is incredibly impressive. When they announced their soccer club, I'm like sitting here looking at them like, where have I seen this before? I've seen this 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 market before. And then when I listened to them on the protagonist pod, I was like, oh shit, that's it. They they they've got this massive system. Yeah. Um, Dan, Dan mean, the owner Dan is just, I mean, first of all, he's a major deal in the National Hockey League, especially when you're talking about uh, Eastern European players coming yeah. over. But he's got a good, you know, he he and he and Alex are focusing focusing on what their what their 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 vision, what they want it to be. They've got a good team that they're building up. Their comms guy Richard has been fantastic so far. 
Bringing Roddy Green. Today. Yeah, bringing bring Roddy. I can't wait to. I just can't wait to see Roddy at a match again. It's going to be fun. Hey, it's like, hey, Detroit City. Remember that guy you love? Guess what? Like, it's just like blazing birds down the street running, <laughs> right. and then, <laughs> and then for them to say like, we want Detroit City in the Open Cup, and Open Cup's like. Here you go. Have fun. Yeah, right. It's going to be so much fun to watch. Even if it's an absolute walloping, it's going to be so much fun to watch. Uh, you know, and I tell you, I, it's it's same market, you know, and all those kinds of things. And I know that, you know, let's not mention the other leagues and all those kinds of things. But to be able to see that, to see that, I mean, that's why the U.S. Open Cup should, you know, I would love to see it get bigger. I would love to see them put together a women's um, version of it. But, I mean, that the U.S. Open Cup is the closest thing to what everyday soccer should be anywhere, at least year-to-year soccer. It's like the different sizes of clubs playing each other. And if you do well enough one year, you move up and you start playing them, you know, every weekend and all of those kinds of things, it would be, it'd be fantastic to see. Okay. So let's keep on rolling. I think we got one more and, and the last one was a joke, but the, the I'm going to give you one more. So um, <clears throat> through all this stuff, the big thing that kept coming up, the big thing that everybody wanted Nisa to comment on was officiating. Um, <clears throat> whatever was pyramid drops in says, this is what happened. Um, they released their, their side. Um, a lot of people were expecting you and Nisa to speak up and understandably if th- that's not always an option. Um, so what steps is the league taking in this season to eradicate issues? Um, because I'm sure you guys don't want those just like anybody else wouldn't want them. And then what steps can we expect y'all to take in ensuring that the officiating that comes into the system now, because pyramid just straight up said, like, we're going to tell our people not to, not to do this for you. Um, and they were very public on that. And that was a very, uh, that was big. So like, what, what's the outlook for the league on like, Hey, let's make sure this doesn't get too messy. Yeah. I mean, and, and my, my position here is, you know, and we talk about this, We've talked about how we manage these issues all the time. You know, we did get behind in some and and we worked hard to rectify um, what that situation was. But there's a there's, you know, again, not talking, not not get, talking about things that don't have to that aren't supposed to be talked about out in the public. There's a lot more error on on there was error on both sides there, that really creates a problem when you have a system like we had and not, you know, not everybody understood that they had to double submit. So they had to submit something a second time or that there was some da- data that didn't get in there. Right. We don't like it that that check hasn't been cashed at all. But we also when we know we got a check out, then we got to say, well, why? Why isn't it got through or we didn't get this piece of information yet and it has to go in. Some of it's human error, some of it's technology error, and, and some of it is, uh, is stuff that we're actually looking at for this year. We're creating our own system a little bit, uh, and I don't know enough about it because uh, to be able to give the details, but I know that our ops guys are creating our own system to help streamline that so we're not going through some of the hiccups because it was a system that we didn't have uh, agency over. We didn't have ca- uh, we, you know, causation and correlation. We didn't have a whole lot that we were able to do about it, which gave tied our hands and doesn't help us in the relationship. So yes, we had our own issues that we had to get past, and we we did get past that a while ago. There are other issues that we were all struggling with together because of nature of the beast that we're hoping 
that our new system is going to be something past that because no one should be waiting around for a paycheck when they don't have to. Now, if, if, if we have to go back and say, hey, but you, this, you know, X, Y, and Z haven't been done yet or not correctly, we're going to walk people through it, but no one should have to wait. And so we, we feel that pain just as much as anybody else. We, you know, everybody has in this world has waited before and it's not fun. And you want to, you want to eliminate those, those issues. So yeah, it's been a big focus for us from an operational side, a tech side of that, as well as making sure we're keeping those the communications going so that if something does get wonky, there's high communication and there's an easy fix that we at the league have more control over. Yeah. I, uh, that was, yeah. I, the, yeah, but no one should have to wait for that. I mean, you, yeah, you know, I mean, people want to get, they want to get out. They're having a good time refereeing for God's sake. Great. I'm sitting in a fully formed public school system in Maryland. And right now my coaching staff hasn't been paid yet. Like the people I'm working with my coaching staff, because there's some kind of hiccup in the system. And the hiccups happen all over the place, but it, it, like you said, if you've got people watching, and there are people watching like like hawks, so anytime there's any kind of little bit of thing they can latch onto, and people from inside the league, people from outside the league, people from competing leagues, people that have no stake in it at all, are all going to nitpick and throw their little jabs in there, and you just have to find a way to address it and and. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll say this. I mean, we, we, there's we should be held accountable for anything that we do. Okay, we're not a nonprofit. We're not a charity. We're out there, you know, <laughs> running a business, and we should be held accountable for for things. And but at the same time, you know, we're not going to get into a public pissing match when it's not appropriate. It's not. We're going to try work our asses off to fix the issue, but we're going to talk to the people that need to be spoken to and make sure that they're updated and. We're looking to make sure that even that our performance on that side is improved, not just the oper- not just the tech side, but that we're doing a, a stronger job of that as well. And that's for everything. That's for everything that we do. We are learning. We are learning what the where the where the potholes are. We are learning where the um, where the the short you know the short nerves might be. We're we're learning all of those things as we go through. Well, it's it's it really has been a ton of fun to watch, and we can't wait to keep seeing more. Um, Thank you for sitting down with me this evening. Uh, we've gone on for about 40 minutes now. Um, I appreciate your time. I don't want to hold you up any longer. I want you to be able to go get your drink. Um, <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I appreciate it, Alex. Um, you know, and, and uh, we'd love to have myself. Uh, I would love to be back or have um, anyone else uh, in our organization back. We, we greatly appreciate the support that we get from folks across across the the NISA landscape. We appreciate that when we're noticed and get some talk about, and hopefully it'll be more positive stuff from the other soccer landscapes. It's just, we're all trying to push, I think, ultimately we're all trying to push in the same direction. We just have different ways of thinking that we should take American soccer there. Um, And we just want there to be, you know, I like that idea of what things can look like in five years, but we got to work hard every day for that, and we have to earn it for every five day. Five years, you got to get through year one, year two, year three, year four, all the way. So thank you so much. Um, have a wonderful evening. I appreciate you very much, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Great. Day, Thanks bye. a lot, Alex. Cheers. You.